Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Oh, this is going to be good. I'm Michelle Majuk. And I'm Kate Majuk. And we're married. To each other. And this is the Ball Blast NFL Podcast. Each episode, we will feature the latest top news in the NFL and what it means for fantasy football, sports betting, and you, the NFL fan. Ayo. Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, and my wife, Kate, is with me. Yeah. And we're super excited because we made it through the summer, and now it's training camp. Training camp. All teams are back at training camp as of Wednesday, July 26th. Yeah, everybody, that's the last report day. So Pittsburgh Steelers, come on down, baby. Yeah, yeah. We have so much news to get through and we're going Finally. To, yeah, a <laughs> lot of important news when it comes to fantasy football. So we're going to go through that no- news and give you our reactions and how we're, you know, taking in what we're learning when it comes to fantasy football for the upcoming season. And then at the end of the podcast, Kate and I are going to give a prediction for which player is going to be super hyped throughout training camp and like their draft price is just going to skyrocket. It doesn't necessarily mean that it should. It just means it will because every year we get it. Last year, the hype. Last year was Romeo Dobbs. The year before that was Elijah Moore. The year before that or before, I don't remember which one, Brian Edwards. Like all, every year, there's one beloved guy in training camp. And his price just skyrockets in fantasy. And it has not worked out for the last <laughs> few years with these guys. But it's always fun to take a chance on them. Yeah, we're not very good at this, are we? Yeah, I guess not. But it's like the entire fantasy community comes together for these guys. Oh, yeah. No, I, like when I say we're not very good at this, I mean fantasy football yeah. analysts in general. Um, even like the team beat reporters who are hyping up these players who are totally going to revolutionize the roster the one last year though that we should have been paying attention to probably more closely than we did Isaiah Pacheco seventh round running back he was the hype man that hit that's a good that's like a really good nickname hype man that hit there are guys name a band that (laughs) there are guys who get the hype in the off season and they do end up being big performers uh, and then there's guys who kill it and abs- do absolutely nothing. So it's kind of a little game we have yeah. to play here. But before we get into those fun predictions, let's go through all of these news we have with <gasps> training camp. Take a break. Take a breath. Take a big breath because there's a lot to go through. So first off, right before we jump on this podcast, Justin Herbert received a five-year, $262.5 million contract Ow. extension worth 52.5 million dollars a year which is now the most in nfl history he surpasses lamar jackson who just got his deal lamar jackson surpassed jalen hurts who got his deal a couple months ago and joe burrow likely could be by the time you're even listening to this podcast already has surpassed justin herbert it's gonna happen but 
this contract right here. I like we knew he was going to get a huge contract, right? I we didn't know if it was going to be the biggest since he hasn't won a playoff game yet or anything like that. But Justin Herbert's great. But I do feel like this contract right here is telling me they're unleashing him. You don't pay a quarterback this amount of money if you just want him to throw six yards on the field constantly. I think that's the reason they got Kellen Moore for offensive coordinator, and that's the reason they're paying him to absolutely unleash him. And he's so talented with so many weapons. He's going to freaking have an amazing year this year. It's a big red flag for Austin Eckler and his usage as a receiver. I think they are going to – they're absolutely – I mean, the entire focal point of their offense has been Austin Eckler over the last couple seasons. And – I do think that, like, if you're going to unleash Justin Herbert, it's not going to be benefiting your running back who you're probably throwing to at or around the line of scrimmage. Like, you're not I, paying you're not paying a, a, a quarterback. You're not making the, the a quarterback your highest-played player in NFL history to throw to Austin Eckler at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, no, he definitely needs to be targeted more down the field, but – I mean, we saw how poorly he did with efficiency-wise with those receptions last year because they were so low average up the target. So we saw Eckler's yards per reception just plummet last season with how many receptions he got. I I think his receptions go down a good chunk. He'll still get a ton of receptions for a running back. But his efficiency should go back up to where it was, where it's like he's one of the best running backs in the NFL in terms of yards per reception at – maybe nine, 10 yards per reception and that it, it'll all even out. Yeah. I I think that's fair, but I, the one thing we could say is like the touchdowns have to, he's not going to score 18 touchdowns every year of his career. He can't, <laughs> if he does like this, this is going to put him in the hall of fame as an undrafted free agent. Like this, is, he would be doing historic things if that were to happen. Yeah. Um, maybe it will. I'm not, I'm not saying it won't, but, but yeah, this just made me more excited. Herbert, uh, I'm falling into it again. I think he's going to be. You're ready to amazing. get hurt again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your bold prediction, though, uh, you know, that from a, a financial investment standpoint at all, <laughs> uh, you know, Justin Herbert, Michelle, you earlier this offseason predicted that he will have 50 passing touchdowns in 2023. And financially, he probably needs to do that yeah, if he's going to live up to the hype. Yeah, that's true. Uh, moving on, Jimmy Garoppolo has no restrictions entering training camp, so he passes physical. There was there were worries about that leading up to this. The team said that he'll be all right, and then he ended up being all right. But it's Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like he gets hurt all the time. But for now, that's really good news for Devontae Adams and the rest of this offense. Like the backups are Brian Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell's a, a rookie fifth round or fourth round rookie this year. Something late. So you need Jimmy Garoppolo, who is an accurate quarterback, who is a veteran and knows how to get it done. And that will mean as long as Jimmy Garoppolo's on the field, I think Devontae Adams still is one of the best wide receivers in the league. But it's great news. He's healthy and he needs to stay healthy. Any consideration at this point in the offseason for Michael Mayer as a potential receiving option in year one? Jimmy like, Garoppolo think, never wanted to look at George Kittle for half of the games every year. Because he was blocking half the time. Um, No, I, I don't. If, I'm, Who, going, if which, I'm going to take a chance on any rookie tight end, it's Sam Laporta out of Detroit. Okay. He's the one that's getting I think the Michael Mayer probably has like the the – path of least resistance in terms of like 
Why, it's getting so, a solid target share. Really? With Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro? There's talk that, there's talk that Hunter Renfro might not even make the team. Oh, didn't they just give him an extension last year? Yeah. I, I feel like he's... T- why would you cut him? Are he's, a a very, he's a very talented oh, route runner. Be, if, if Hunter Renfro was released, I would hope the Steelers would be like the first team in the market. Yeah, I don't... It's contract, not like he's but, the best wide receiver in the world, I'm but just he's saying. a really... Good. Why? Like he's right now their wide receiver three. I don't know why they would ever cut him. That's a nice three trio of wide receivers there. And you also have Austin Hooper, and then you also have Josh Jacobs whenever he returns. But he had a career high in targets last year. No, that's not the kind of situation where I'm like pumped for a tight end ever, especially a rookie tight end. Okay. Okay. Moving on, we have not got to this news yet, which happened last week, but we didn't do an episode last week. So let's talk through it. DeAndre Hopkins, he signs a two-year deal with the Titans. We've been talking about this all offseason. Titans or Patriots, because those are the two somehow that he ended up being his top two. When he was leaving Arizona, he said what was important to him was a good quarterback, a team that's going to contend in the playoffs. Yes, and um, I, I guess that's not the situation. Liar. Yeah. He decided to go to the Titans. Now, he, he does make them better, but is it like, ooh, you're going to win six games last year and now you'll win seven or eight? The th- like, the thing about the Titans, though, is like this move clearly indicates that they think they can compete, right? And I don't. So <laughs> I just the don't get they what they gave up so many of their defensive players. So if you do want to compete, I don't know who's going to be good for them. Their on defense. offensive lines a mess. Like you have an aging Derrick Henry. You don't have a ton of, of general depth. Like obviously we're excited for Chickaconquo. We're excited for the potential of what Traylon Burks could be. But when you're looking at like proven talent in this roster, it's DeAndre Hopkins and, Maybe you want to throw Ryan Tannehill into that mix. Like, Are that's you forgetting not con- about Derrick Henry? Oh, yeah, Derrick. I just mentioned <laughs> Derrick Henry. But, like, I'm just saying, like, there's not a ton of, like, other proven. The depth is very unproven mm-hmm. here. And, like, if you're going to make a run, you need depth. And this is not a Titans roster that has depth. Listen, this offense of weapons group is pretty it solid now. looks a lot better. It's really nice because now you get Hopkins as number one. You get to push everybody else down. So Traylon Burks is a number two. Looks really good. And then Okonkwo as maybe your third target looks way better than if you needed to use him a lot more. But what do we feel about Hopkins for fantasy when it comes to this landing spot? Last year, he still had it. He averaged nearly 17 fantasy points per game in the nine games that he played. That was the ninth most among wide receivers. A.J. Brown, we've seen him be good in this offense with Ryan Tannehill. So he was the wide receiver six and fantasy points per game in the 2020 season. So it's not like we've never seen someone be absolutely great with Ryan Tannehill and in the Titans offense prior to this. I'm all about it, actually. Are like, you? like He should get a ton of targets. The Titans aren't a heavy passing team, but I do think their defense will not be – they're not going to be very good this year. So they're going to have to throw. And they're not they're not playing a lot of comp, like defensive competition within the AFC South. I think they're going to have a, a lot of opportunities to score some points. And like again, let's go back to Ryan Tannehill, who I think is generally kind of underrated. Like the team's moves to draft Malik Willis to draft Will Levis. Like I think all of these moves indicate that they are willing to move on. But all things considered, like Ryan Tannehill, he was banged up last year. 
didn't play the whole season, wasn't fully healthy. And when he was, he was plenty of productive over the last two seasons prior. And he was not just productive. He was very efficient. And I think, you know, obviously Derek, Derek Henry in the run game helps that a lot, but it's also really hard for a quarterback to be overly efficient when rookie Traylon Burks, who I thought was a relatively raw prospect to begin with is your wide receiver one. Like you, it cannot be Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips. Like that cannot be your receiving room. Yeah. And he's gone. I mean, I think his cost right now is very fair. I mean, he's going as wide receiver 21. I don't see that increasing all too much because of this landing spot. People just find it gross, but it's right after. He's going to be a huge value. It's going right after Terry McLaurin, who Hopkins obviously has a way higher ceiling than McLaurin and way fewer, like way less competition for targets. And then right before DJ Moore, who is with the Bears, another low scoring or low scoring. I shouldn't say low scoring, low passing offense. And I'm just going to take the known greatness of Hopkins over hoping DJ Moore breaks out with the Bears. Yep. All right. What about Traylon Burks now? Because helps. helps. Yes. Why does it help? I need to hear this. I don't really understand that. What I think that DeAndre Hopkins does for this offense is it gives the Titans, if they are willing to do it, right? Like, so last year, they didn't have the depth to move Traylon Burks around in the formation. They didn't have the depth to be able to not utilize him on the outside, which like he's a big dude. So like he projects as an outside receiver. But when you look at his production out of Arkansas, he was most productive on his plays out of the slot, like get the ball in his hands, let him create some space, create mismatches with opposing linebackers and let him just ball out in the open field. And that's where he was successful. I think the lack of, depth didn't really allow them to do a lot creatively with Traylon Burks if this team is willing you could see a lot of productivity out of Traylon Burks and and like again he's so big that he doesn't really like you wouldn't necessarily picture him as like a slot receiver but that's where he's so good and he's so good at you know generating yards after the catch but I just don't think that he's he's as like alpha wide receiver one as we'd think just because of his size. Yeah. And when AJ Brown had his really great year for fantasy in 2000, Corey Davis still put up 984 receiving yards on just 92 targets. So he was averaging a lot of yards per reception, which Traylon Burks could be doing. He only scored five touchdowns. I think you'll need more from Burks for him to be, any what consistent in fantasy but I do think he's a guy that he will have some good weeks but he's going to be highly inconsistent do you think his draft price is worth it at wide receiver 37 so he's still right now going before Jahan Dotson we'll see if that changes obviously I'm taking Jahan Dotson before him he's going before Jackson Smith and the Jigba the rookie from Seattle he's going before Brandon Cooks before Michael Thomas before Gabe Davis I think his price is a little high knowing that I definitely can't just plug him in any given week. I it's going to have to be like, you're going to just have to pick correctly. I'm probably going to take trail and Burks higher than all of those receivers. Over outside Jahan of Jahan. I was going to kill you. I was about to sleep on the couch. No. <laughs> um, Cause I like, I think all of these other wide receivers, like I don't necessarily, you never know when to start Brandon cooks. You never know when to start Gabe David. Like, None of these other wide receivers actually have 
a really solid four. I think it's a very appropriate range for him to go in given the range of outcomes. But I think the ceiling is pretty high given his skill set. And like if they can establish the run with Derrick Henry and get into rhythm with DeAndre Hopkins, like that's going to allow a lot of room for creativity and just like literally, you know, I don't just get the ball in his hands and see what he does after. Cause he looks like a running back after the catch. He's so fun to watch. I have a question for you, George Pickens or Traylon Burks, both second year guys. That's a great question, Michelle. Great question. I'll um, go with Burks. I think I will as well. I think this Titans offense is probably going to produce more passing touchdowns than the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm so sorry. I mean, I don't know about all that, but I think both will be heavy run teams. I think the Steelers will have a better defense. And you got Deontay Johnson and Allen Robinson and Pat Firemuth and Najee. Just like a few more options to go around with your targets than there are with the Titans. Speaking of other options to throw to, I mean, I was just finally starting to get high in Chig Okonkwo. Like, I was coming around. I was like, you know what? He is a really good value. I'm starting to really like him. I had him ranked as my tight end seven before this news. Now I, I can't have him that high because the, a big part of Okonkwo breaking out was the need for targets in this offense. But does this completely ruin his chance from breaking out this season? Or is there still hope? I don't know if the Titans offense really can sustain three good pass catching weapons plus Derrick Henry. I don't think they can. I'll take Chig and maybe like a best ball format where you're not going to have to guess when his week is. But yeah, outside of that, I'm not sure I want to buy in necessarily. I mean, the the season that Ryan last season, Ryan Tannehill played with Johnny Smith. He was, you know, he had some good weeks. He had, I think, eight receiving touchdowns in 2021. 2020, yeah. 2020. You're going to take that all day. But I mean, because I did say, I don't know if there's enough to go around, but A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, so they both had over 900 receiving yards. Then Jonu Smith only put up 448 receiving yards, but he had eight touchdowns. But then Anthony Ferkser was there, and he was the fourth leading receiver, who's a tight end. It was 387 yards. Combine those two, you have another 800-yard receiver. I don't think you can really do that. But maybe if Okonkwo is getting all of the snaps and targets for, you know, the receiving work at tight end, maybe there's something there. Jai Smith was tight end nine that season. I will say, so Okonkwo last year, he was a rookie, right? Fourth-round pick, so you don't expect those guys to really do anything. He didn't get to play over 30 snaps in a game until week 13. But once week 13 hit, he played – over 30 snaps in four games the rest of the year. He averaged five targets per game, over 50 receiving yards per game, and 13 fantasy points per game. In those games that he actually played, he averaged 2.6 yards per route run last year that led all tight ends. He is a like uh, a big play monster. He had four receptions of 30-plus receiving yards last season. Only Kelsey, Kittle, and Hunter Henry, randomly, had more. But, like, Kelsey was at seven such receptions, and Okonkwo was at four. The thing is, Okonkwo didn't run, like, any routes, and Kelsey ran nonstop routes. So it is it is pretty crazy what he did as a rookie. I do – like, I, I think he could be a breakout. It's just so hard now with Hopkins being there. I mean, it like, we talked about – He's going about... so late, so it's not like it's spend an early pick on him 
it's just I wouldn't feel confident going into week one with him as my starting tight end for fantasy. No, I just think there are other – like, obviously, you're excited about the efficiency he showed as a rookie, but I would prefer to just, like, take a shot on a guy that has, like, a, a higher chance at, you know, a greater target share, maybe like a Dalton Schultz. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, talking about another tight end here, Evan Ingram gets a three-year deal from the Jaguars. So he was originally franchise tagged earlier this year. He gets his long-term extension. Very interesting. They mm-hmm. did draft a tight end pretty early in the draft this year. Uh, Braxton Strange or Bretton Strange? Bretton Strange. Bretton Strange. But this is Evan Ingram's team when it comes to the tight end role, the starting tight end role. He finished as a tight end seven last year in fantasy points per game. But he only he had one game at 39 points, right? He had one game at 39 fantasy points. That really skews the data when there's only 17 games. So that really uplifted his points per game average. He had eight games scoring under seven PPR fantasy points. But he had almost 30% of games where he finished as a top five running or top five tight end, uh, ranked sixth among tight ends in terms of, of fantasy games finished as a top five option. And how many where he was just like absolutely pointless? I mean, a uh, lot. A lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> he was a tight end for or worse in almost 24% of his games. So not fantastic. And what do you but- have to be to be a tight end for? Tight end 48 or after? No, tight end 36 or worse. Yeah. Brutal. Which, like, again, not great. But he showed plenty of ceiling. Now, listen, this is not me saying that I'm in on Evan Ingram because right now I'm starting, you know, I, I think there's – possibility for him to have some room here like I, I I don't necessarily think that Calvin Ridley is going to be the thing that forces him out of a lineup in any given situation he can play in line he could play in the slot he can play out wide like he can he's versatile enough to do all of those things but uh, I mm. I mean, I think Zay Jones projects as like the odd man out here in most situations, but it's going to be really hard. I think he already was highly, highly inconsistent with Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. And now you're adding in Calvin Ridley. You're adding. That's my concern. Tank Bigsby, who's a good pass catching running back, who's a rookie. And you still have Travis Etienne, who could be a good pass catching back if they ever want to target him. I just don't think it's it's too crowded for him to be consistent we already saw how inconsistent he was last year he's being drafted as a tight end eight so it's not the craziest cost ever but you know 79th overall there's still really good players there I would much rather just wait I, like I'd rather take a chance on Che Oconquo than draft Evan Ingram because Oconquo is going a good like three rounds after Evan Ingram yeah and I wouldn't be surprised if they were like equally volatile yeah yeah Evan Ingram was going a little too high for me 79 tight ends going after him Pat Fryer moved David Njoku Dalton Kincaid Chago Conquo Greg Dulcich just a lot of a lot of guys that I would probably prefer over Evan Ingram yeah all right moving on Saquon Barkley running back for the Giants signs a one-year 11 million dollar contract with the team so he can attend training camp he's back he's going to be playing this year for sure he didn't want to sign the franchise tag of one year 10.091 million this was weird 
but he got a one-year $11 million contract. Hey, you get an extra million dollars. I mean, I would love it. I mean, I wouldn't say no to an extra million dollars. He also got like a nice little signing bonus and stuff. I don't know what the signing bonus would have been if he signed the franchise tag. But if he's happy, I'm happy. Good for him. He got his one-year deal, and he'll be playing. But I already didn't – I just – I'm not that big into Saquon Barkley and his draft costs. He's going as – the fourth running back off the board. And yeah. I just think it's too high. Would you rather take Saquon Barkley or Austin Eckler? Austin Eckler. See, for me, this, like, I, given the changes that I'm projecting in the offense, I would go with Saquon Barkley here. I would also, I'd rather Derrick Henry than Saquon Barkley. I'd rather Stephon Diggs than Saquon Barkley. Jonathan Taylor. We'll talk about him in a bit. Yeah, that one's a little bit more difficult with him, with his current news. How about Nick Chubb? I would rather Tony Pollard than Saquon Barkley, and he's going way later. I, I just, I think I'm just staying away from Saquon Barkley. We have not seen a full good year from Saquon Barkley yet. Where he's in a contract year. Yeah. Remember what he happened? He was last year, too, and he started off so hot and then had weeks of five, six, seven, like 15, 19. Like he still had good weeks, but he was just kind of died off there in the second half of the year and I don't know I'm fine taking Saquon Bar. He's I don't have fine. any concerns he's it's, fine he's gonna be a top five but he he is uh was such a big part of their he led the team in receptions last year tied with Richie James and they have so many wide receivers on their roster right now no they have 45 slot receivers <laughs> like that. I don't know what but that's so many receivers that that's like Saquon Barkley's role is to get targeted near the line of scrimmage. And that's pretty much every wide receiver they have on this roster. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not big into Saquon Barkley. He's going to have monster weeks. He's going to finish very highly. Like, of course he will. I just think other guys will be more consistent and offer the same upside. What about another star running back by the name of Josh Jacobs? Fellow franchise tag receive E. I wonder if he will see Saquon Barkley's deal and want something similar, a one-year deal where he can make more money. That's the only way that these guys can get a different contract than their franchise tag right now is if they sign a different one-year deal. So maybe the Raiders will give Josh Jacobs one year $12 million when Barkley got $11 million. Maybe he'll come back. But he was seen flying out of Las Vegas uh, earlier this week. And I guess he has no plans to return anytime soon and to come to training camp. Here's the thing though. Like it, I talked about this, uh, made, made an appearance today in the Yahoo fantasy podcast with Matt Harmon. We talked a little bit about this and what we talked about in terms of the difference between Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs is like, it feels like Josh Jacobs has bad vibes. Like, that's not a formal way to analyze any sort of situation <laughs> from a fantasy standpoint, but like bad juju feels like it is circumventing this, this Vegas situation, like getting on a plane and say, don't expect me back anytime soon. That doesn't sound like you think you're close to like coming back in the building. Like clearly Saquon Barkley was close enough because it took a million dollars to get him back in the door. Like yeah. that tells me y'all are pretty close and you do want to be there. Josh Jacobs, the way he left that situation paired with the way that like their whole situation went last year. Like I thought it was so weird the way that they absolutely ran him into the ground. Like 
I thought it was just completely clear. Like, there is no way this team is coming to a long-term deal with this this guy based on the way that they used him to close out the season. Like, I mean, it yeah, just felt it, weird. It, it, even when they knew they had no shot. In he had, like, a broken season. hand or something. Yeah. And he, like, they were like, all right, Josh, carry the ball 30 more times next week. Like, the thing is. It felt weird. They have no one else at running back. That's the thing. So that brings me to my next point is that there is no way. Like, this is my bold prediction. One of these big-name running backs, whether it be Dalvin Cook, whether it be Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, one of these running backs are signing with the Las Vegas Raiders. I think Josh Jacobs is just getting a one-year $12 million deal, and he'll be back. He seems too pissed about this. I mean, he he always has a bad attitude. But, yeah, Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden. No. Samir White, that's, that's their depth chart. And the fact that Zamir White is fourth on the depth chart is insane. Yeah. I people, see Zamir White was a big uh preseason guy. Remember he like opened up the season as a starter or something in preseason. Everyone was like, Oh my god. So Josh stupid. Jacobs is done. And then Josh Jacobs led the was the Russian and, leader. Yeah. yeah. Uh I yeah, I, I think he, he has to be back, right? The thing with running backs is that yeah, it sucks. You're not getting paid a ton. And there's really nothing you can do about it. That's really what it comes well, down to. Well, that's depressing. And, I mean, if you want to sit out this year, you're going to lose out on a ton of money. You're going to get fined a ton of money. And like, you can't really – well, I don't know if you get fined because he didn't sign it. But he's going to lose out on a whole year of pay. And as a running back, you can't risk that. I mean, we saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. So – I don't know what the answer is. It just, it doesn't feel like. Well, and the thing is, Le'Veon Bell ended up getting paid by the Jets. Running backs just aren't getting paid right now. So if he were to hold out and to wait till next year, a team's not going to come crawling along and give Josh Jacobs this big contract. There's a, there's 100 great running backs in free agency next year. So I don't know who's going to get paid because there's way too many options. And just a team's not going to shell out cash right now for any running back. So Josh Jacobs just has to show up. Yikes. That's uh, he can skip out on all of training camp, but he's a running back. So as long as he's back before week one, he's fine. Brees Hall, on the other hand, he is out with an actual injury. He uh is put on the PUP list entering camp, but the Jets remain optimistic he'll be ready for week one. So he's still recovering from that ACL tear he had in the middle of last season. If you draft Hall. Is it important that you grab one of Michael Carter or Zonovan Knight later in the draft? And which one would you want? Uh, uh, I I just don't I don't I don't want to. You don't want what? I don't I don't want to I don't want to deal with this situation. I like looking at I never want to be the person that drafts. But Brees Hall, if he's on the field, he's gonna be he's so on the field, but Rogers. like can get off to a slow start yeah, in the sure. return from injury like that always to me screen, like I had this discussion two years ago when we were talking about Saquon Barkley coming back from the ACL like yeah I expect him to get off to a slow start and that's the kind of player that I you know when I'm projecting a slow start for a player I would prefer to wait a couple weeks into a season and trade for them low as opposed to like Brees Hall, he's still being drafted as as a top running back. Like this, it, you're not really getting any sort of discount. You're really for the not injury. getting uh, too big of a 
discount for the injury, unfortunately, which is pretty shocking to me. But when he was on the field last year, he was so good. So I guess people are just saying, okay, well, if he's playing, they upgraded at the quarterback's position with Aaron Rodgers. RB11. Grace Hall is going to beast out. So he's going RB11. The guys going after him with the Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Shamir Gibbs, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Kenneth Walker. I do actually think, I mean, how many of those guys would you prefer over Brees Hall? Najee Harris, I would. Travis Etienne is close, and Jameer Gibbs is close. And Joe honestly, Mixon, Joe Mixon yeah, Joe getting kind of close for me. Um, yeah, like in that case, I'm going to take the guys that aren't coming off the torn ACL. Okay. And that would be the situation that, again, I see how Brees Hall starts off the season. And it, I'm not saying it, you can't draft him. I'm just saying you always want to temper expectations, especially when a player starts training camp on the pup list, which going back, like Saquon Barkley also started training camp on the pup list. He came off, I think, the first week in August, a couple seasons back. Um, and But again, like still just got off to a relatively slow start, but – like, I think the star of this offense is going to be Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson, and then everything else. So, like, I don't know that they're going to put a huge emphasis on we got to get Michael Carter involved. Like, yeah, no, they're probably not. So I, I do think Michael Carter and Donovan Knight could get a chunk of the carries but to try to, you know, eliminate too much work for Brees Hall. But, yeah, it's not even like Brees Hall was getting a ton of, of work either on the, like the first three games a year, six carries, seven carries, eight carries. It did go up to 17, 18, 20. So like it was starting to build, right. But never more than 20. The thing is why he was so good for fantasy is he just kept having massive plays that went for touchdowns. And if those, those can't keep consistently stay, right. Like you can't just break off a play every single game and then if you're coming off an ACL that can just slow you down just a little bit slow you down and not I mean we saw JK Dobbins he's a guy that breaks off all the time too right and when he finally got back last year he broke off that one he had so much space and he's so good at that and he made it down the field but then he starts limping and then the defense catches up because it's just your your legs not and even if your body is like a hundred percent like we've heard this time and time again where, you know, players coming back from torn ACLs, it's not just a physical thing that you have to overcome. Like, it's not always just the knee. Like, a lot of the, you know, that goes into that is trusting the knee again and, like, trusting yourself to be able to make cuts and and mentally battling through that. And I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm just hesitant to buy in because I do think that there are a lot of really great, options that are going to see a lot of volume um probably more volume than Brees Hall is going to see to start the season fair Jonathan Taylor he's also opening training camp on the pup list his is a little bit more like what's happening here so they're saying it's because of the offseason ankle injury but you have a theory about this yeah so I don't want to get like too speculative but I'm kind of speculating just a little bit so Jonathan Taylor, he had an off-season, off-season ankle injury that was – or off-season ankle surgery, like got some repaired, um, ended his season last year early. So I'm not saying he's not, like, injured, right? But he's searching his – you know, seeking out his new contract. He's in the final year of his rookie deal. And 
you know, he's on this Zoom call, right, with Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, like the whole whole shebang of, of like talking about like how can we get leverage in these contract situations. Well, one of the methods that Pro Football Talk discussed was should we exaggerate injuries as a contract ploy? And that was literally a report that came out just as that call wrapped up. And I'm not saying that that's like what he's doing right now, but it's really interesting timing that I, I don't feel like we expected him to start off, you know, training camp on the pup list. Yeah. And, and then he does as well. And it just, it feels weird uh, that this was even brought up when we know that like Jonathan Taylor, he was super vocal when, if the, the Colts ended up giving him a contract extension tomorrow, he'll be right back to training camp. <laughs> he, like, he would be completely fine. Whatever this ankle injury still is that hurts him, he'll be fine. Well, and, like, interestingly enough, like, J.K. Dobbins also on the pup list. Uh, team signed Melvin Gordon. So, I, like, I don't think it's all – I don't think he's all, you know, contract blah, blah, blah either. Like, I don't, I don't think he's – I'm not saying he's not injured. I, th- I have more injury concerns about – Dobbins this season that I do about Jonathan Taylor, but it's just also interesting because like he's been managing this knee issue. So like, again, very real thing, but he's also seeking his next contract. He's in the final season of his rookie contract. Talking about JK Dobbins here. Talking about JK Dobbins. He's also in the middle of that. Um, And he was reportedly out of minicamp because of a quote unquote contract dispute. Like in, and then, so that was the reason back in what, you know, May, June that he wasn't participating. Suddenly he's on the pup list. It's just weird. I'm just yeah, saying he has the timing's missed, weird. He has missed a lot of time due to injuries. He missed a lot of time last season when we thought he'd be back and healthy, but he had to have some cleanups. He missed a, a bunch of games after coming back last year. Who knows with his health, but like Gus Edwards hasn't been practicing either. The team, like you mentioned, did sign Melvin Gordon. I don't actually think Melvin Gordon's even going to make the roster this year once Dobbins and Gus Edwards are back practicing. I think they just needed some bodies. Like, they needed a body here and maybe some insurance in case one or both of these guys aren't ready by week one, but I expect them to both be good to go. If if you have, like, a, a flyer, though, and, like, you're in the late round of your drafts and there's still question marks about – jk dobbins about gus edwards like melvin gordon if he makes this team could actually be sneaky productive like he can't michelle i'm likening it to no todd Gurley in his season with the atlanta falcons where he came in he wasn't i'm liking it to Le'Veon bell with the with the ravens and he did absolutely nothing oh no liking it to Kenyon drake with the Ravens, which he did have i guess some viable games but like melvin gordon is not going to make this team a and if he does it just doesn't matter i just think there could be some touchdown upside there but that's fine among among active running backs if they also thought if they really thought jk dobbins or gus edwards or especially jk dobbins wasn't gonna be ready for week one why wouldn't they go sign zeke elliott or leonard Fournette or kareem hunt like if they they should have already been signing their their insurance policy because i just but the thing is melvin gordon is one of those guys he was on the chiefs last year he never was active He's one of those guys right now that's okay with going to a team to be a practice body at this moment as long as you're getting paid. He doesn't expect to start games at this moment. Fine. 
fine. All right. And then one more big running back story. It's finally good news. Javante Williams of the Broncos. He's not starting on the pup list. This was a surprise to me. Yeah. I mean, he had a really serious knee injury last year. It was it happened in week four. So he's had, you know, a lot of time to get ready. But I, I'm shocked that he's fully ready to go. That's huge. And I've been getting a little bit warmer on the Broncos offense this upcoming year with now head coach Sean Payton being there. We think, I think he'll fix Russell Wilson just a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I think the offense overall will be better. Do we think that Javante Williams could be a top 15 running back this year? Uh, mm. Right now he's only going as a running back 29, but that was with people not knowing yet if he, like if he was going to be back at training camp. So now that he's back, that could increase a little bit. But he's going after guys like Rashad White, DeAndre Swift, Isaiah Pacheco, right ahead of James Cook, David Montgomery. I think I like his upside more of all, more in, than all these guys. In comparison to those players, yes. But I, I do expect his ADP to continue to rise through yeah. the next several weeks. I think it's going to depend a lot on – what you actually see from, you know, like training camp and like what kind of like rep share is he getting with the first team? And, and, you know, well, I mean, he's going to be getting all the reps with the first team, not all. I mean, you, you think he's going to get a full load to just start? Well, no, but I just mean like he's, he's a starter. I right? know he's a, no, yeah. but I'm just saying like, if you're planning to limit him at all, you're going to have to get some reps in with other running backs. I do think Samaje P Ryan's going to get, yeah, a decent amount of work, but I think it, it's just going to be like, what is that? What's that split going to look like? Because I do think there is going to be a split, and I think we'd be silly to say otherwise. Yeah, I mean, and he wasn't very good prior to the injury last year, right? I mean, week one he came out and he scored nineteen point eight fantasy points in PPR leagues, mostly because he was highly involved in the receiving game randomly. But he only had seven carries for forty three yards. And then in weeks two and three had 9.5 and nine fantasy points because they gave him exactly 15 carries in each game. He didn't do anything super special there. And then in week four, he was at just 10 carries for 28 rushing yards for just 3.7 fantasy points prior to the injury. I'm not like dying to get Javante Williams on my team this year, but if we do believe Sean Payton's going to fix this offense and they will be high scoring, he could be a sneaky good value. Yeah. 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 I don't, <laughs> I don't, I thought I had something to add there and I do not. So All right. my bad. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to say this news without giggling and I feel bad for the player, but Kadarius Tony, I mean, literally one of my questions prior to training camp, if we were going to record before that was going to be, can he stay healthy for the entire training camp? And it turns out then answer is no, because on what was it, the very first day, second day of Chiefs training camp? Day, day number one. Uh, he, he tweaked his knee, and he needs a knee scope, and he's out pretty much the rest of training camp at least, and he may not even be ready for week one. So the potential wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes, even though you've been saying it all offseason. I've been saying it all offseason. <laughs> he is not the wide receiver one, and this is the reason why. This is why. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't even make it through one practice. But our our good friend Matthew Betts, formerly of Ball Blast, uh, this was his treat. So Kadarius Tony was a first round pick in 2021. That was literally 
two years ago. Injuries since then. Three hamstring injuries, two ankle injuries, a quad injury, oblique, three knee scopes, foot injury. Yeah. And now this knee. Well, he had two knee scopes before that, and now this is his third knee scope. Yeah. Partially torn meniscus. Andy Reid says there's a chance for week one. But like, but when, like what? Like, but mm-hmm. what to come back and get injured again? I don't. It's just like it. It's one of the most important things that you can look for in a wide receiver. One he is availability. Into, but he needs to look into what the hell he's doing with his body because clearly he's doing something wrong. He's yeah, not doing something like, like bad it, training, and or, there is something happening here. Someone doesn't get injured this often in their first two years in the NFL. It's it's something, um, but like he's had a weird off season in general. He's like yelling at Giants fans online, saying he got hacked. Like it was just a weird. So with Kadarius Tony now, like I'm not even touching him. I'm not. If he ends up coming back, this is I'm finally giving up on Kadarius Tony. Thank you. I've been saying but now this will be he'll come, be back week one. He'll freaking be amazing. But I'm giving up on Kadarius Tony for once and for all. He was being the highest drafted Chiefs wide receiver. But now that should change. And the other guys, I mean, they're all question marks, right? You got Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He played a full 17 games last year, just put up 697 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, had just four games with over 10 PPR points, and one of them was 11.6 points. Never more than 15 points. Like, we're not on Marquez Valdez-Scantling, right? No. Do you agree there? All right. Moving on. We have Sky Moore, who is a rookie last year, second-round pick so a high draft pick i think he was 54th overall he was in the 50s but in his rookie season had just 22 receptions for 250 yards and zero touchdowns did not get to play all that often and then you get three more extra games the postseason he had 17 receiving yards he did score a touchdown in the super bowl great way to score your first touchdown but also just still barely involved do we think he makes a huge jump up in year two do we think he could be the wide receiver one? He's getting some rave reviews this offseason. Yeah. By rave reviews, he's getting reviews. <laughs> <laughs> he's being discussed. Yeah. And, uh, I I think he's going to be fine. Um, do I think he's going to have, like, a breakout season? No. I I, I have, like, the no issue great is he's reason here. pretty much I, a slot guy, right? And. They did sign another slot wide receiver, yes, Richie James, is... in free agency. Richie James was actually like low key, kind of good, kind of efficient for the Giants yeah. last year. Like, well, he had 57 receptions last year. That was tied for the most on the Giants with Saquon Barkley last year. He had seven or more receptions and 60 plus receiving yards in three of his last four games played last season. Also, two touchdowns during that span. All I'm saying is if you can do it, with Daniel Jones and Brian Dable, he could be the sm- sneaky slot wide receiver for the Chiefs that's getting it done for a sneaky slot. Sneaky slot. Yeah, I I actually really like Ricky Richie James. Like he's a guy that I I think would be a really great like late round best ball pick. I feel like he's gonna have some really nice games. I think in general this is going to be a really hard offense to predict for receivers in general. Like last year showed us. If your name's not Travis Kelsey, like yeah. you'll get yours, but like I can't promise. Juju when it's gonna started come. the season pretty great. I mean, for the first half of the season, he he wasn't like killing it, but he was pretty solid. And then 
he fell off. I, I think he had like an ankle injury and then he just completely fell off. And he wasn't had really a doing concussion any- oh, yeah. as well. Um, I will say, I think the guy with the highest upside is their rookie this year. Yes. Second round pick, Rashad Reese. Or, Rashi Rice. Rashi Rice. Just butchered that. Flip, flip that. Yeah, flip that. But he led SMU last year with 96 receptions, 1,355 receiving yards, and 10 receiving touchdowns in 12 games played. He was SMU's entire offense. He averaged 14.1 yards per reception. Like, that's that's really nice. Uh, he's a bigger guy. Like, he's just – like, he has the build to be a true wide receiver one in this league. He has a draft capital. I think his upside with Patrick Mahomes is pretty great. And he's one of those just – I'm just going to draft you really, really super late in the draft because people aren't really paying attention right now. Now, if he gets a ton of hype during preseason, his price will increase. But right now, he's going as a 186 overall pick in fantasy drafts. That's literally a last round pick if you want him. Rashi Rice last year uh, ranked number one in deep catches in his final season with SMU, uh, tied for the eighth most contested catches in the FBS. Like, what is so fantastic about Rashi Rice and why I really like this fit? with the Kansas city chiefs is so reading off my notes when I evaluated him before the draft, not a great separator, solid body control splash plays that will make you melt great on scramble drills. Who is like the best scramble drill quarterback in the league? Like if he can befriend Patrick Mahomes on some of these scramble drills and like build some trust there. Like, yeah, if, if you're, Patrick Mahomes is looking for you on a scramble drill. You're going to be a great fantasy asset. Yeah. I, I do think if I'm taking a chance on any of these Chiefs guys, it's Rashi Rice. Yeah. It's just hands down. What about Justin Ross, uh, 2021 draft pick, or 2022 draft pick? He wasn't a draft pick. Or, he went sorry, undrafted. signing. Yes. He went unsigned because of a concerning injury history. So was fantastic at Clemson when healthy, but – had like a neck injury. It was like very concerning that he wouldn't ever. Yeah. He didn't play any games in his rookie season. He is getting a lot of hype right now. He's, I do believe apparently he placed... he's receiving first team reps and training camp. I think Justin Ross was, if I'm not mistaken, I thought he was placed on IR Yeah, he to start been. his rookie season. So he couldn't play. Okay. Yeah. That might make sense. I just don't care. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm happy for the guy if he gets to play, but yeah, I'm not going all in on rush or on Justin Ross. Yeah. I do believe, uh, yeah. In July, 2022, Justin Ross was placed on injured reserve. So it, when you are placed on IR head of the season, he could I be their Demarcus Robinson. They're tall guy who does something sometimes, but not a fantasy <laughs> asset. In my that's what, yeah, I think Rashi Rice. If I'm gonna take one flyer on any of these guys, it's gonna be him. But, um, yeah, I'm not. I I I think this is gonna be a lot like what we saw in 2022, right? Yeah. Like Patrick Mahomes. It's gonna be Travis Kelsey, and then everybody else, and it's just gonna be like him spreading the ball around and making reads, which is what. Patrick Mahomes does like he just plays good football yep and then last piece of news here before we get into our predictions for the best breakout this offseason uh Ravens placed wide receiver Rashad Bateman on -hmm. the pup list I mean it's kind of like Kadarius Tony at this point right except at least Tony has shown us at least 
a couple of big, massive games. Bateman's really has shown us nothing in his career. He's on an offense that in the past hasn't passed a ton. I know that's supposed to change this year with a new offense coordinator, but they have Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham, Mark Andrews. I not touching Rashad Bateman. He can't get healthy. Yeah. And when he is on the field, it's not like he does anything super special. So what are your hopes here? That he has some games for six for 60? I like the player, and I think, like, he should be in a good situation. Like, you have, I, I think, an upgrade in OC with Todd Monken. Like, I think, you know, help in the wide receiver core between Zay Flowers and OBJ. Like, all of those should be good things for a developing wide receiver, but the health concerns me to the point that I'm just not. Yeah. No. All right. Let's get in to our one player. Drum roll. Is that your drum roll? I thought pretty good, honestly. The one player that we think gets massively hyped throughout training camp and their draft cost will increase like crazy. Again, this doesn't mean that we think they're fantastic draft picks if their cost increases. It just means we think they're going to get a ton of hype. And it's a guy to pay attention to. Do you want to go first? Yeah. You know what? I think I will. Let's talk about... Roshan Johnson running back for the Chicago Bears baby who let's be clear I love Roshan Johnson and I love his teammate Khalil Herbert love both of them. <laughs> really unfortunate that they ended up on the same team but like you look at Roshan Johnson and his draft capital so much remind like his situation as a player so much reminds me of that of Damian Pierce like Fell to the fourth round, but you look at, you know, his his body of work when he was on the field and his time in Texas, and he played really, really well, but he just didn't see a ton of work. Now, Johnson's reasons for not seeing work are Bijan Robinson. It's really hard to to decide to give somebody else carries when Bijan Robinson is yep. playing ahead of you. Like it's just that's what it is. Uh, Damian Pierce, not so much like he just didn't get work, but was super efficient when he did see work at Florida. But that's where the similarities lie to me. Like, I, I think the Bears got a really great value out of him in the fourth round. Not the fastest around a four, five, eight, 40 yard dash, but he runs like so powerful. He's big. He's six foot, 219 pounds. According to PFF, his 45% missed force tackle rate over the last two years led all running backs in the FBS. 4.28 yards after contact per attempt. That ranks 13th among running backs. Third in elusive rating. Like, he was very dominant and, and very much able to create yards after contact. But I do think, like, this signing paired with Deontay Foreman, paired with the excellence that we've seen with Khalil Herbert. Like, you look at all these these metrics from 2022. Khalil Herbert didn't get a lot of work, but led – the NFL with 5.7 yards per rush attempt. Um, also fantastic after contact, also very elusive. Um, this is going to be a really hard backfield to predict, but I do think that especially given the fact that, you know, Roshan Johnson's a rookie and, and we know he's talented. I think he's going to be the one that people are grasping onto as training camp starts to progress. Yeah, I'm really hoping it's Khalil Herbert that gets all the love. I, I'm starting. Me too. To get, I love Khalil yeah, Herbert. I'm starting to get warmer, warmer on taking Khalil Herbert later in drafts because I, like, he's so talented. But if it was 
then Deonta Foreman's there too. They have three good running backs, and it's pretty annoying. It's because really they're going to be such a good running team. Like you have Justin Fields, the best rushing quarterback in the league with Lamar, besides Lamar Jackson. And then the Chicago Bears will lead the NFL in yeah, rushing. They're running. Uh, it's Without gonna be, a doubt. It's going to be so good, but deciding which running back you want is going to be a little hard, especially in the preseason. If you draft all three of these guys in like <laughs> can you start rounds, no, in, in best ball, say you, you know, like you, you wait and draft every guy at their ADP. Like you'll probably end up with an RB one combined in the three yeah, of them. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Um, all right. My guy is another running back. It's Sean Tucker of the Buccaneers. He went undrafted this year, so he is a rookie. However, he should have been a third, maybe fourth round pick at the latest in this draft, but there were super random health concerns like right before the draft. So no one really knew what was going on. There was a big health scare there and he ended up going undrafted and luckily the Buccaneers picked him up, but we enter training camp and Greg Allman, he's a Fox sports. He works for Fox sports. He covers the Buccaneers. He said Buccaneers rookie running back. Sean Tucker isn't just cleared to practice. He's a hundred percent and ready to go. So yes, a, he has to show enough to even make the team because most undrafted rookies do not make the team. But I do believe Sean Tucker is one of the best running backs on this roster because the roster is not, filled with too much talent yeah, that's i mean not, that's not too hard to <laughs> yeah it's rashad white it's Keyshawn vaughn and chase edmonds like there's no reason he can't prove himself because he was such a good running back at syracuse I, just, I don't think it's the talent question though it's the health yeah the and health. that like you can't uh, i believe it was a heart condition that he was flagged with like you can't change that like, but it's really good that he's cleared and he's good he's to go cleared. and they say he's a hundred percent, and I, I think he's going to be one of those guys this offseason that gets a ton of hype because right now his not even just to make the team, his top competition to get really like valuable snaps is just Rashad White, who was also a third. Okay, I say also he was a third round pick this last year, but like I said, Sean Tucker should have been a third round pick this year. So in terms of talents coming out of school. They're pretty, they're pretty close there where I think Sean Tucker was actually the much more talented college running back. Before the, before the like draft and before all of this like concerns came out before, I think it was the combine, um, when they flagged this issue with Sean Tucker, like Sean Tucker was, I think my RB four in this class. Like I really, really thought in, you know, in the right situation, he could have a lot of potential and he's good as a runner. He's good as a receiver and Rashad white. I, I liked him coming out of school, but he was very inefficient as a rookie last year for the Buccaneers, 3.7 yards per carry 5.8 yards per reception. Both of those are horrendous. So if Sean Tucker is here healthy and he's showing his talent that he had in Syracuse and his competition is only Rashad white and Keyshawn Vaughn, who hasn't been good his entire career, I there's a chance that he could actually be something for fantasy. And I do think that kind of creeps up in the fantasy world here over the next month. Right now he's being undrafted, right? Like he's going as a running back 92. No one's thinking about him. If you are, you're probably a Syracuse fan or you're playing dynasty fantasy where you have 30 man rosters. But I, I do think he starts to creep up here in draft costs and maybe gets himself into the double digit drafts and maybe Rashad White falls down a little bit. We'll see. I'm not saying that's the right thing to happen. Just saying I think it will. I think that's fair. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Give us uh 
Five follow. star. Yeah, five give star us reviews. Not just a follow. A follow, a subscribe, a five star review. Yeah. Let us know what you think, please. And you can hit me up, Michelle, on Twitter or X. What do we call it now? X uh, or Twitter? Uh, We're going to call it Twitter. Zitter. Zitter. At, <laughs> at Ballblastum. Ballblast E M. And you can follow me, Kate, at Kate Majuk. Bye, y'all. Bye.